Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. What's up, Janesville? Everybody, it's great to be back with my Janesville family. And if this is your first time or your first time in a long time, as Kellen said, uh, you caught us in the second week of a brand new series called Hit Songs. You just heard um, Sydney and Quinn uh, share one of my favorite songs from back in the day, back in the 90s, Boy to Men, End of the Road, right? And um, I know maybe a few of you uh, were just kind of like when... when, when um, Kellen intro that you feel like into the road. What? It's not a Christian song. That's not a Jesus song, right? And and, and but that's the whole point of the series, everybody. Um, we we want you to know that God can use any person or anything He wants to reveal Himself or communicate His truths, even though uh, and even through people, places, or things that may or may not be considered Christian. This particular song, End of the Road, everybody, uh, was number one on the billboards for 13 weeks in a row. It won awards. It broke records. And it literally solidified my epic man crush on this group, Boys to Men. I mean, listen, when, when, when you're an adult young man and, and, and you got men you know, in the locker room, in the shower, in the toilet stall, understand, crooning your sentimental song, you're doing something right. You understand? I, okay, maybe a little bit of TMI. Anyhow, uh, this, this song, everybody, was about something extremely significant coming to an end. And specifically in this song, the end of a dating relationship. But hey, how many of y'all realize that each of us are on a journey, on a road, on this side of eternity, that's going to come to an end someday. Oh, come on, somebody. Yeah. And, and here's the thing. So many of us, everybody, even in the church, have a fear and a negative viewpoint and outlook of what the end of the road, the end of our lives looks like. So, so what does it look like for us, again, as a people to begin our lives and maybe for some of us, some of us to begin our lives again with the end in mind? What would it look like for us, especially those of us who know and love Jesus, to have a healthier mentality surrounding the end of the road. I love what the Apostle Paul said. Uh, he said, um, here it comes. It's coming. It's coming. There it is. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, living means opportunities for Christ and dying. Well, that's better yet. Now, some of the teens heard that, and they're, they're like I said, what? What is this? this guy just wants, wants to die? What is this all about? But everybody, that's my point. What would it look like for us here on earth literally to embrace, like Paul did, that our lives here on earth are temporary, and we not get down, depressed, or discouraged about that, but we allow that to help shape our lives, shape our actions, shape our decisions, and how we embrace our ultimate transition as well as the reward that awaits us when we all eventually transition from our temporary home here on earth into our eternal home up in heaven with Jesus. So I want to take you, everybody, to a Jesus story in Matthew chapter 25. 
Very familiar passage of scripture. Matthew chapter 25, Jesus is sharing an intimate moment with his disciples fresh off of a teaching uh, as he was gathering with people in the temple. Jesus shares this parable in Matthew chapter 25 with his disciples. And in verse 14, he says, for it is just like a man going on a journey. He called his own slaves and turned over his possessions to them. Somebody say his possessions. Yeah, yeah, to the one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. Then he went on a journey. All right? Uh, now, somebody say parable. For my note takers, a parable, what is a parable? Well, a parable, everybody, is a story with a real-life application. A parable is a story with a real-life application. And so Jesus would always tell these stories. He would always teach in parables. And his parables, his stories, wasn't your garden variety bedtime story that you tell your kids at night. Or wasn't that kind of story that, you know, the guys get together and we're chucking about, or the ladies get together and they're gossiping about a story. These stories had real-life applications uh, for the people that Jesus was teaching and they're hearing, and also for those of us over 2,000 years later that are reading the stories that he talked about. How ridiculously crazy is that, right? And so, everybody, what is the real-life application for us in this story? Well, Jesus talks about three things um, that I want you to see. He talks about the man or the master. He talks about the three servants, and he talks about the talents. Now, for us, the real-life application for us, the man or the master in this story represents who, everybody? Who does that represent? Come on, class. Who does that represent? Represents the master in this story for us represents God. Somebody say God. Okay. The three servants, who do, who do they represent? Us. Like us, all of mankind, right? And the talents in this story, what do you think they represent? The gifts, right? In this passage, they're specifically talking about money. But to, to Ebony's point, yeah, they, they represent those gifts, those skills, right? Those assets, those attributes that God gives each of us, right? And, you know, there are certain abilities that people have that are just God-given. You know how you look at people and, and you're just like, uh, bruh, you got a gift, Right? Where are all my money people? You just excellent with numbers. Excuse me, all my numbers people. Like numbers in you, you just vibe. Like put, put your hand up in there nice and high. See, like all of you, all of you got your hands up. I just hate all of you. Right? Because you're the type of people never had to study for a math test. You know, you just woke up and numbers just, just make sense to you. Right? That's a gift. That ain't everybody's testimony, you understand. Right? I know just enough about numbers to be dangerous. One plus one. Let's go. Right? Come see me in history and English class and we have another conversation, you understand? Right? Right? That's a gift, right? And isn't it cool? God does that, doesn't he? Like there are some people, God just touches and he's just like, look, you're going to be brilliant. You're going to be amazing with people. You're going to be able to sing like a songbird. You know, you're going to be great with your hands to be able to build and craft things and, 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 and do people's hair and beards like that young man's beard right there. Just, just beautiful, right? right? And, and you're going to be just this physical athletic freak of nature, right? The talents, everybody, that represent those skills, those gifts, those assets, those attributes that are God-given. And watch this, that he expects us to use and invest for him in order to bring glory and honor to him. 
You understand? See, this is my first point. This is the responsibility of living for the end, the responsibility of living for the end. Everybody, we got to understand that there is an expectation that when somebody gives you something that you didn't previously have and that doesn't technically belong to you, that you're going to handle those things responsibly. Where my parents at? Parents, raise your hand, parents. Parents, I got a 23-year-old and a 19-year-old, and they're in my wife's car more than she is, I think. And I think parents, they get a little confused sometimes. Just, just, just my house. They, they get confused. I think they think it's their car. Come on. Uh, yeah, thank, thank you, right? And every now and then, they need daddy to step in and be like, uh, listen, I know you're a little bit confused, but let me help you something. Uh, uh, you, you can leave your McDonald's wrappers, your empty soda cans, and your swelling sweat socks in your car when you finally get one. But in your mama's car, guess what? You're going to pick up your mama's car. You're going to wash your mama's car. You're going to put gas in your mama's car. You're going to be responsible for what has been given to you because technically it doesn't belong to you. I'm just allowing you access to this resource, and I'm going to hold you accountable for how you handle that talent, that gift, that attribute, that resource, that blessing that I gave to you. See, if you wouldn't think I was just talking about my mom, my wife's cry, you said amen right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, see, watch this. And just so we're clear, everybody, Romans 14 says it like this. He says, remember, we will all stand. Somebody say all. We will all stand before the judgment seat of God. Uh, now, now, you know, I got them trained in Beloit, but I just want to make sure in Janesville. Uh, what does all mean? Somebody say all mean all. Yeah, yeah, all means all, right? And I love how the next part of the verse says it. Watch this. He says, he says, oh, keep going. I need that. I need it. There we go. Yes, each of us, say each of us. You see that? We'll give a, not, not a family account, not a, not a central Christian under behind Pastor Dave Clark account. No, it says what? Personal account to God. And everybody, uh, the responsibility Oh, you don't believe me. You don't believe me. Let me show you another verse for the new people that just showed up. Uh, he says, in, in, in our story, we're dealing with Matthew 25, 15. He says, to the one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. Then he went on a journey. Look at verse 19. It says, after a long time, his master returned from his trip and called them to give an account. Watch this, y'all, of how they had used his money. Are y'all seeing this? Everybody... The responsibility of living for the end suggests that we, as people, recognize that the kingdom of heaven is like a master, entrusting his property to his servants, right? And here's what I hope you notice. Here's what I hope you notice. Each one of us was given something from God, and at the end of our road, each one of us must give a personal account to God. Did you see, she should put the graphic up. That's, that's one of my notes. Did you see it? I want to make sure y'all see this. See that? Each one of us was giving something from God, and each one of us must give a personal account to God. Is this making sense? And so everybody, yeah, that's the responsibility, number one, of living for the end. But then secondly, everybody, there's a reliability. It's my second point. There's a reliability for living 
for the end. Jesus and James, the brother, said this. I mean, James, the brother of Jesus, said this. He said, whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God, our Father, who created all the lights in heaven. And everybody, once we recognize that, once we recognize that every good and perfect gift comes from heaven above, comes from our Father, everybody, and, and as we recognize that we rely on God to give us everything that we have, the question for us today is, uh, can he rely on us to handle what he's given us responsibly? Is this making sense? In other words, g- give me this next slide. How are we using what we've been given by God to bring honor and glory to God? That's the question for the morning. How many of us heard that old saying, life is a gift. And what we do with that life is our gift back to him. That's why it's called the present. How many of y'all heard that before, right? And and so, everybody, um, when we think about what this looks like, let's check the reliability uh, of these first uh, three servants, these, these three servants. And as we understand, the servants also represent who? Us. And let's see if we maybe see ourselves in these servants, either for good or for bad. Let, let's take a look at how they handled and how reliable these uh, servants were. The Bible says immediately, somebody say immediately, the man who had received the uh, five talents went, put them to work, and earned five more. In the same way, the man who earned two, two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Verse 19, after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. All right. So what do we see here? We see uh, the three servants, uh, they recognize their responsibility. They received their gifts, their talents from the master, right? They recognized that they didn't have anything. The master gave them what they had. And the Bible says uh, that the first two servants, they went to work. And they went to work how quickly? Somebody tell me. Immediately, they went to work. And, and, and the Bible says what happened when these uh, servants immediately went to work? What happened? They got what? Double, right? Isn't that what the Bible said? They got what? Uh, Double blessing. Double anointing. Double favor. Come on. Double influence. Ain't nobody excited about this but me. Is anybody looking? I don't know about y'all, but I need a double portion of health, a double portion of strength, a double portion of energy, a double portion of favor, a double portion of my hand, my God's hand on my life to help me be the father, the husband, the pastor, the leader that he's called me to be. Somebody out of shout double. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody. And so these first two servants were fired up. They was like, yes. We're blessed. We're going to take these gifts that God gave us because if he didn't give it to us, we wouldn't have nothing in the first place. They went to work how quickly? And then they got double. And when did the double blessing happen? Oh, no. We was having such a good class. Let me pray. Father, please help my Janesville family stop reading the Bible so fast. In Jesus' name. Let me help you. I did that on purpose. Everybody. And this is important because specifically for our young people, I think we have this, we have this instantaneous kind of self-gratifying mentality, right, that things need to happen fast, quick, and in a hurry. And if we read this too quickly, we'll think that because these first two servants went to work immediately, that they got the double portion of the blessing 
immediately. But everybody, there are two clues in this passage that indicate to us that even though these two servants, they went to work immediately, they didn't necessarily see the manifestation of the double blessing immediately. Y'all want to see the clues? You want to see the clues? Let me help you up. First clue, first clue. Look at this. Verse 19 says, after a long time, somebody say after a long time. Are y'all seeing this? The master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Okay, that's the first clue. To help us, okay, this is, this is a little deeper than what I originally, originally read. Even though these guys went to work right away, they didn't necessarily see that double portion of the blessing right away. Here's a second clue. Here's a second clue. Look at verse 20. It says, the man who had received the five talents approached, and he said, Master, you gave me five talents? Look, I earned you five more talents. What did his master say to him? Well done, good and faithful slave, watch this, you were faithful over a few things, I'm going to put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. And everybody, if, if you keep reading that passage, he had exactly the same conversation with the second servant, right? Same, well done, good, and somebody say faithful. Now, everybody, uh, faithfulness, everybody, is a, is a denotion of time, right? Would you agree with me? Right? I mean, you don't get the distinction of being faithful if this is something that you just kind of haphazardly do every now and then or occasionally, right? No, this is something that people label and put on you after you have proven who you are and what type of character you have over a long period of time, right? Like, it'll be one something, like if, uh, y'all know Elena? Y'all know Elena here at the church, one of our worship leaders, beautiful song voice girl? You, you know, she, she's engaged, right? Did y'all know that? I'm just telling her business. Right. She's engaged. Did y'all know she was engaged? So it would be like Elena getting married, and, and she's just up here sharing her testimony. And like, you know what? Uh, my gunner, he is amazing. He is such an awesome husband. I mean, he is just so faithful, so kind, so loving, so true. He is just awesome. There is nobody greater than Gunner as a husband. And somebody who don't know Elena like we do walk up to her like, oh, my goodness, that's great. How long have you been married? Well, we've been married for three weeks. But, oh, my God, he is just awesome. And people be looking at her like, will somebody help this baby get a clue? Right? That's a great testimony for three weeks. Come talk to me after 13 years, 17 years, 23 years, and see if you still got that testimony. Somebody ought to say amen right there, right? right? Because faithfulness, everybody, is, 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 a, is, a, is, a, is a suggestion of time, right? It's this idea that over time you have proven yourself faithful. And, and I say that to say to somebody in the room, um, I would imagine that these first two servants, when they went to work initially, there were days uh, where it was real hard. There were days where they struggled. There were days where maybe they had to wrestle and get out of bed. I would imagine with these first two servers, there were days, everybody, where they wanted to quit. Things weren't looking so good some days. Some events happened that didn't necessarily go according to plan. And some days, they probably flat out felt lonely, overwhelmed, in over their head, incapable of doing what their master entrusted them to do. Scared out of their mind. Am I talking to any real people in the room? Yeah, yeah. Had a season or two of setbacks, disappointments, and discouragement. Family drama. Health drama. Global pandemic drama. Hey, daddy and baby mama drama. Am I talking to some real people in the room? Right, right, right. But here's the thing. And what keeps you going when the going gets tough? 
It's recognizing, watch this, y'all, that a few poor decisions don't define an entire person. A few bad moments don't determine an entire outcome. And a few unfortunate seasons of living don't define an entire life. Not to mention the fact, everybody, that we got a Savior in Jesus that knows all about our struggles, our faults, our weaknesses, our mistakes, our fickleness, our failures, and our frailties. And he says to us, don't even trip, baby, because my strength is made perfect in your weakness. My love covers a multitude of sin, and I am still the Lord who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all you can ask or think. So don't you worry about your ability to do this thing. I just need your availability. I need your faith to fail not, and I need for you not to grow weary in well-doing because in due season, Jesus promises everybody that we will reap a harvest as long as we just don't quit. Yeah. Everybody, I dare you to say it to the next person next to you, just stay faithful, stay faithful, stay faithful. Say, say, say that to the person behind you, next to you, in front of you. Stay faithful, stay faithful. Hey, listen, can I say something to somebody? I want to say this. You do understand God didn't make a mistake when he gave you that job you got fired from. You recognize that, right? He didn't make a mistake of that spouse that you got divorced from, that child that you feel like you didn't raise well, that opportunity that you let, that you let slip through your fingers. Y'all think that caught Jesus by surprise? Yeah, but, but how many of y'all know that we serve a God in heaven that can turn our biggest mess into our greatest message and our most colossal trauma into our most triumphal testimony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As long as we don't stop, fall down in the valley, or turn back before we finish the race. Everybody, I'm going to ask you this question again. How are we using what we've been given by God to bring glory and honor to God? Can Jesus rely on us to handle what he's given us responsibly? Everybody, that's the number one, the responsibility for living for the end. Number two, the reliability of living for the end. Here's my third point, the accountability, everybody, of living for the end, the accountability. It's about to get real, all right? Look at, uh, this is the third servant now. Yeah, verse 24. He says this, then the man who had received the one talent also approached and said, Master, you know you be tripping. You see it? See it? He says, I know you. You're a difficult man, reaping what you haven't sown and gathering what you haven't scattered seeds. So I was afraid, went off and hid your talent in the ground. Look, you have what is yours. And look at what the master says to this servant. He says, but his master replied to him, you evil, lazy, wicked, slothful, terrible servant. Y'all see it? You see it? Some of y'all like, Ray, you just made all that up. You know, actually what I did was I looked up this same passage in several different versions of the Bible. Everything I just said is scripture. Yeah. Jesus says, you evil, lazy, wicked, slothful, terrible servant. He says, if you knew that I reap what I haven't sown and gather what I haven't scattered seed, then you should have deposited my money with the bankers. And when I returned, I would have received my money back with interest. I'm going to stop right there for a minute. We're going to come back to this in a minute. Some of you right now is like, O-M-G. Like, uh, 
I thought God was like merciful and kind and loving. And this is some strong language. What's up with this? I want to give you a couple of reasons why this is so strong. Uh, the first thing, uh, what did the servant do? Contrasting the first two servants who understood the responsibility of what they were given by God, they took their gifts from God and they went to work, right? This third servant, he didn't do that. He took his gift and the Bible says he buried it in the ground, right? Do I got any uh, farmers? Where are my farmers at? No farmers? In, I got one farmer or gardener. Where are my gardening people? You like to garden. Okay, that, that's a few more hands. Okay, so I want to use a, a, a farming tool. When you take something and you put it in the ground, what is that called? It's a, it's a, it starts with an S. You what? You're sowing, right? You're sowing. I, I, I want you to catch this now. This is a little deep, okay, for my note takers. This is what this first servant did. He took his gift and he sowed it, right? And when you sow something, you do uh, expect some level of a return on when you sow, right? Watch this. The Bible says he put his gift in the ground, okay? Give me another word for ground. Soil, yeah, but I want you to think globally. What does that look like? Earth or, starts with a W. This is what this third servant did. He took his gift from God, and he sold it to the world. Are y'all seeing this? And how many times have we seen people in the church, people super anointed, people who were God-given with a gift that they could use to benefit people, and they take their gift, and they sow it to the world. It becomes all about them and not about him. And the Bible says that when we do that, when we take what is God-given and we use it for selfish purposes, it is as good as burying it in the ground because at that point it ceases to be about him. And it becomes all about us. And when we do that, God's like, you evil, lazy wicked, slothful, terrible servant. Because see, there's a, there's a certain assumption that comes with that. And there's an attitude that comes with that as well. The attitude is, oh, this is my stuff. I do with my stuff what I want to do with my stuff. Is this making sense? And can I tell you something else? When we have an attitude of selfishness versus selflessness, then that's our attitude. And so we grab on the stuff tight. We want to preserve stuff. We want to bury stuff because we want it to be exactly where we want it to be when we're ready for it. It's ours, right? And that's the attitude when we're not generous in our giving. That's our attitude when we're not open to sharing what God has given us. That's our attitude a lot of times when it comes to uh, opening ourselves up and serving other people. It's my time. I don't want y'all to get mad at me, but I'm just preaching the Bible. Okay, here's the other thing I want you to see. I don't think this third servant really knew the master at all. I actually think the master was offended when the third servant was like, you know what, I, I, I know who you are. You know, you just, you just hard dude. 
you this difficult dude. That's what the Bible said, right? Right? And I, I think the master was like, I've been saying it all morning. What? Now, 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 you would have a right to be afraid if you were my enemy, but you belong to me. When have I ever treated you unfairly? When have, when have I ever not provided for you? What, what, what did I just put in your hand? Something that didn't even belong to you. I trusted you with my stuff, right? And, and, and really, what, he was, what, what, what the master was saying is like, no, no. no you, you really didn't know me at all because if you knew me, that's why he said that. If you really knew me, if I'm really that guy, here's what you should have did. It really wasn't about that. It was just about you being lazy and not wanting to be selfless but selfish. And that is not the attitude that you see or know of me, if you really knew me. And, and, and Jesus gives us that example, right? He shows us exactly what selflessness looks like. Look, look at this passage. This is one of my favorite passages. Uh, let's go to the next slide for a moment, and then we'll go come back to this. Um, next one. Now, I appreciate this. This is Jesus when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. He could have been real selfish in this moment. But here's what Jesus says on the night when he was about to get handed over to the Roman soldiers. He went on a little farther and bowed his head, face to the ground and playing, my father, this crazy. You see it? This is about to get really real. I'm headed to the cross. He's like, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Now, that's how he really felt. But in the same breath, y'all, stepping out of himself and thinking about all of us, stepping out of his flesh and being selfless, he says, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Jesus was the ultimate example of selflessness, paying a price that we should have paid, covering a cost that we should have covered, suffering a suffering that we should have suffered, right? He did that just for us. And he says, this is who I am, and this is what I want you to reflect, and you didn't do that. You, you, you chose to be lazy and slothful. Is this making sense to somebody? And everybody, basically what we understand is when we step out of selflessness and step into, I mean, step out of selfishness and step into selflessness, we never lose. There's no way we lose when we do that. Watch this. And, and this is what Eric is kind of talking about. You're going to hear him talk about crazy next week. It, it, it kind of is weird, but when we prioritize others and we prioritize what God wants us to do over what we want to do, we don't lose. Look at this. Matthew 6.33 says this. He says, he says, where's my next slide? There it is. No, no, keep, keep going. Did I give it to you? Next slide. Bam. But seek First, your stuff, seek first what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness and what will happen. All these other things that you worried about, all these other things that you stressed about, 
all these other things that you think, well, you know, we, we can't give that much because if we give that, no, no. All these other things will be added to you as well. Everybody, we have a responsibility of recognizing uh, that God has given each of us something that he wants us to use for him. And he wants to know, will we be reliable enough to step into that thing and use it to our fullest capacity? Because guess what? All of us are going to be accountable to him one day. And can I also say this really quickly? Let's stop spending time focusing on what everybody else has versus what we don't have. What's in your hand? And work that thing. And when you go to work, the Bible says you will get a return on your investment. God will be blessed. The people will be blessed. And you will be blessed when we prioritize him. And I don't know about what that looks like for you as we are on this journey. And guess what? None of us knows when the end of our road is going to be. But the prayer and the hope is that uh, when we get to the end of our road, we're going to be standing before our master. And I don't know about y'all, but I want to hear the master say to me what he said to those first two servants. Well done, good and faithful servant. You were, say faithful, faithful over a few things. I'm going to put you in charge of many things in my kingdom. Come on. Share your master's joy. Amen. Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.